The following is a continuation of the previous episode. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this episode, we talk about love. Our opportunity to know God by faith is so remarkable, the angels look at us to observe how we do it. And loving one another is a way to bear witness to the glory of God between one another. As we explore love, we will look at one significant difference between agape and phileo. The Bible implores us to continue in brotherly love, to be hospitable to strangers, and remember the prisoners as if chained with them. When we love, we proclaim the goodness of God to one another and to the world. I have been thinking about this agape and and phileo some lately, and I'm starting to think that maybe the emphasis is a little different than what I had thought in the past, because the agape and phileo are used interchangeably some. They're not really, you know, sort of real technically defined. I'm starting to think that maybe agape is... um, transactional and phileos relational. And in both cases, we expect something back for us. Now, Paul says this agape love in 1 Corinthians 13, that to do any, all these great things, like being a, even a martyr, is not beneficial without love. This is not profitable. There's an immense profit to... Loving someone else that can't pay you anything in return. Where does that profit come? It comes from God. It comes now. It comes later. But it's more transactional. You're not building a relationship with someone that you're investing in and they're not going to return anything but poking you in the eye for it. Which, you know, is a pretty frequent occurrence if you're really going to live this way. But there's this phileo love where... You know, we serve with one another. And when we do things together in church, there ought to be a relational benefit that comes from that. We shouldn't have to use this agape transactional love with each other, really. I mean, I shouldn't have to say, you know, I'm going to love this prickly person, Andy, in spite of his, you know, kind of being a jerk, because I'm going to have... um, I'm going to have rewards. and I shouldn't have to kind of use up my agape on, on, on Andy. What I should be able to do, what I should be able to do is, is have interaction with Andy and actually get some benefit and say, man, I really enjoy working with Andy. And he actually ought to fill up my agape tank when I work with Andy and vice versa. Andy shouldn't have to work with me and say, man, I'm glad I don't have to do that again. You know, the less I have to talk to that guy, the better. Yeah, because working together in a constructive way where we fill up each other's tank, this is part of the way this works. This is a part of life. We should not be a burden to one another. What we want to do is when we meet together, when we interact together, when we work together, when we mission together, when we when we do activities together, we want to build each other up. We want to be the kind of person that other people like to see coming because they got some benefit from it. Now, all of us have different gifts. I just don't have that Yogi Bear 
happy golden retriever personality. I mean, it's just that's just not me. I, I just don't have that. That's that's not in me. But there's just other things I can do, you know, that that are more my gifts and be constructive with it. And all of us know how to be a jerk, right? That's a sort of born with that capability. We all have different ways to be jerks. Well, let brotherly love continue. Now, this is actually quite encouraging, don't you think? We've been talking about this cosmic endeavor that we're in, this massive sort of you know, engagement with angels and, and, and Jesus and the kingdom that's to come and all this really high stuff, right? New Jerusalem and God is standing there and you, you, get, you start feeling smaller and smaller and smaller. And you say, well, how can I do this stuff? I, I'm not Abraham. I'm not, I'm not Samson. I'm not Jesus. I'm not God come to earth. What am I supposed to do? And now he's bringing it back to earth and saying, this is what I want you to do. I want you to work with your fellow believers in such a way that they enjoy the, the interaction. Well, we can do that, can't we? I mean, that's, that's bringing it back to where we live. This is something I can do. And what the Bible's telling us here is when we are constructive with one another and we engage as teammates where we're doing life together constructively, we're changing eternity. This, this, is the kind of, this is what God wants us to do, to say, that's who I'm looking for to run my next world. Somebody that's a great teammate. Let brotherly love continue. The second one is quite interesting. Do not forget to entertain strangers. Well, why, why, so don't forget is the idea of uh, keep in mind, make this a priority. Uh, by doing so, some have unwittedly entertained angels. And it may be you just, you never know when something amazing is going to come out of just being constructive with people. Maybe that's part of what it is. Look at 1 Peter 1.12, uh, starting 10 here, of this salvation. And this is, uh, this is Peter talking. This is his, his epistle. Of, the salva- of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what? Or what manner of time? The Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed, not to themselves, but to us. They were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels desire to look into. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? So the angels are sort of trying to understand this thing that we have been given to understand. There's a verse like this uh, in Ephesians. Let's start in verse 8 where the sentence starts. To me, Paul here, whom less than the least of all the saints this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. So the church is showing 
the manifold wisdom of God to the angels. Which is kind of an interesting thought because angels, you know, have been around a long time. They're in the presence of God. They have full access to God. They've watched God all this time. God's taught them, presumably. And yet, they're coming to look at us to understand God's wisdom. So there's something really remarkable about the opportunity we have to know God by faith, to walk by faith, not by sight, to receive the grace of God, and to understand the majesty of His gift. And perhaps part of this uh, be be, uh, hospitable, even to strangers, perhaps a part of that is that this is part of the angels coming to understand how how amazing this is. I, I don't know. I'll tell you the way I've taken this part of the verse is to share my stuff and share my space. Now, we as Americans tend to have a pretty um, low tolerance for uh, closeness in personal space. If you go most other places in the world, if you travel around, one of the uncomfortable things is that people pretty much just hug you everywhere you go. I mean, you, they just stand right next to you. They, this whole idea of being a foot or two apart doesn't, doesn't set with them. I was watching one time... Uh, this uh, little kind of Toyota pickup, you know, one of those Chevy S10 type things, the little guys. That's what there's all over all over Africa. And this guy comes wheeling in, and he had, uh, you know, I guess guys that had hitched a ride with him in the bed of the pickup, and they were all standing up so they could get more in the back. And I counted as they got out. <laughs> guess how many Chevy S10? One of the little guys. 35. Five in the front, 30 in the back. They were in there like matchsticks. Honest to goodness. The, the, they got there and, and they actually couldn't get out for some time because one guy had to kind of wiggle himself out and get out, and that created enough space for three or four other guys around the edge to get out. Finally, there was enough space for everybody to get out. And you know, to them, they got to ride instead of a walk. It didn't bother them. Americans would never do something like that. There's no telling how long they rode. But, you know, I think what this is telling us is share your space. Uh, one of the things we've done as a practical... I try to have practical things to actually employ this stuff in my own life. Because, I mean, I, I really believe this stuff. I, this got my attention. Uh, we host... Uh, people in our house. We've done it ever since, really, even before our kids left home. So, and, and uh, that's just one thing we do. There are many other things that you can do, uh, and I know a lot of you do various things. So the third thing is, remember the prisoners <laughs> as if chained with them. Those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Well, at this point in time, They've got a church that is under persecution. And there's, there's people being scattered throughout the whole world for their faith. Uh, there's been people come under uh, immense hostility for their faith. Paul ends up being uh, martyred for his faith, as, as did every other disciple except John. 
who probably died in prison for his faith. So remember the prisoners as if chained with them. And when I saw this one, now I'm, I'm really starting to try to grapple with these things. So I really want to do this stuff. And I said, uh, God, how am I supposed to do this? I mean, uh, we don't have this in America. Well, <laughs> we actually do. I'm actually on the, I was already, I was already engaged with it and really hadn't even thought about it. But we actually have an increase in hostility toward Christianity that's, Quite stunning. And I'm actually on the board of a group called the Liberty Institute. What they do is defend people who are under attack for their faith. One of our recent cases is um, a school teacher. And he was holding the door open for his kids. And the last one in line came through and he said, the last shall be first. And the student said, "Uh, where does that come from? He said, well, it's a Bible verse. And the kid said, uh, well, can you show it to me? So he said, sure. And he, he showed him the verse. And he said, I don't have a Bible. He said, well, you can have mine if you want to. They fired him. So there's increasingly an opportunity <laughs> to practice this in America, tragically. For me, though, just as I was looking at this and thought, I probably am off the hook for this one, Bob Fu came to town and asked me to help with China Aid Association, which, of course, is speaking for the persecuted church in China. And I took it as kind of a joke that God was uh, having fun with me because what am I supposed to say now? You know, how, how can I do this? I want to participate, but I can't. I'm off the hook, and all of a sudden Bob comes to town. And so, obviously, I took it as a sign and have been engaged with China Aid. There's many other things you can do. There's all kinds of organizations involved with the persecuted church, Voice of the Martyrs. And there's opportunity to pray. There's uh, people that you can support that are engaged in these operations. But remember them as if chained with them is a very vivid image. If you're chained with someone, you're You're experiencing what they experience, and you're where they are. So I think this is an admonition not to take take for granted the benefits and freedoms that we have, but to uh, be diligent about sharing whatever prosperity we have In this particular case, it's the prosperity of freedom with those who are not so fortunate. Now, just think about this list so far. These are things nobody can stand in your way of doing. There's there's nobody that can stop you in any of these. There's nothing in here about being a great preacher. There's nothing in here about um, how many people come to Christ through your testimony. There's nothing in here about witnessing door-to-door and getting a certain number of conversions. There's nothing in here about giving enough money where something's named after you. Uh, There's nothing in here about being famous for your faith. These are all living life on a daily basis in the sphere you're in with the people you're around in a constructive manner. Now, isn't that encouraging? 
If we do that, we're changing the world. If we do that, we're changing eternity. If we do that, we're qualifying ourselves to be kings and queens in the new administration, the better earth. If we do that, we're serving a priestly function of showing Jesus' way of constructive living to other people. Be constructive with one another. Be constructive with people you don't know. When someone's persecuted, hurt with them. I um, looked up a poem that you've all heard, I'm sure. This is a guy that was uh, in Nazi Germany. He says, in Germany, they came first for the communists. And I didn't speak up because I was not a communist. Then they came for the Jews. And I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. Then they came for the trade unionists. And I didn't speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Catholics. And I didn't speak up because I was a Protestant. Then they came for me. And by that time, no one was left to speak up. He was a prominent German German anti-Nazi theologian and Lutheran pastor. So there are ramifications to our life that go well beyond just our little sphere. I think we severely underestimate the impact and influence we have. We tend to look at what the world says is great for our definition of whether what we do matters. But what the message here is, is that when we live life constructively, and when we speak up, and when we remember those who are persecuted, and when we do what we can in our sphere to stand for what's true, then we're following where Jesus wants us to follow. We're going to continue on them with the list, but I I can tell you in advance that we're going to see things that are all things every one of us can endeavor to do. The next one we'll talk about is marriage. Having a constructive marriage is something that changes the world. So we have a better priest with a better sacrifice and a better covenant, one that's written on our heart. By living that covenant in and around the sphere we actually have, then we're doing what God's asked us to do. Have a better king with a better administration for a better world. We qualify ourselves for that inheritance when we take the law that's written on our heart and actually employ it with the relationships we have. Fellow believers, strangers, co-workers, spouses, family members. And all of this takes place because we have this word that God's given us mixed with faith. If we hear and don't do, then we're missing the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening. Thank you.